Hello, Managing Madrid listeners. This is your host, Kian Sobani. In a moment, we're going to be joined by our very own Eduardo Alvarez to talk about the state of things at Real Madrid, answer some questions from patrons, talk about his article on Sunday about Barcelona's domestic dominance and how Zidane can stop it. Before all that, just want to apologize for the lack of podcasts. Uh, Sunday and Monday, we usually do back-to-back Sunday. We do the post-game show on Managing Madrid, and on Monday, we do the Churros y Tacticas La Liga review. It was just a bit crazy, like a complete anomaly in in the week of podcasts because before the weekend, I just sent out three freelance pitches to various publications and they all answered back and they were like, we need this by Monday. And it was just a bit crazy. Um, And Gabe was doing real job things as a lawyer and Diego was sick. Matt Wiltsey was too sick for the Lone Tracker podcast. I hope this one makes up for it and this situation will probably never happen again. It was a complete anomaly. So sorry for that. We'll make it up to you. Um, also, our patron, Nicole Gant, is cashing in on her VIP Real Madrid ticket prize. She's going to be in Madrid Easter weekend. So if you are a patron in Madrid and you want to get in touch with her, uh, message her on her Patreon post over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Obviously, also pencil it in April 28th. We're going to be in San Francisco to do a live podcast. If so, if you're in the Bay Area, if you're in California, just make the trip. This is a historic moment. The first ever Managing Madrid live podcast. We're going to be at the Chieftain Irish Pub and Grill on April 28th to watch the Rio game with the Pena, have some drinks, hang out. And then afterwards, we're staying to record a post-game show. It'll be a ton of fun. Come out. And one last thing before we get started. Shout out to all our amazing patrons who make this show possible. Shout out specifically to our $10 plus patrons who... Um, get a reward and that is if you pledge ten dollars or more you get a specific shout out on the podcast so shout out to mikhail nilsson frederick sundros john fernandez said mahat nick de stefani adam dorsey leon stavernakis christian gonzalez bjorn salvador nicole gant sergio monleon yahya ibrahim willie reed nick ribeiro eric rogers sad omar oluapamimo oladunjoy patrick odal uh afari Christian Toff, Dan Berthy, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujaiwani, Pena Maririsa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Vinod Baratula, Zoran Bosancic, Sway Ayala, Rafael Servia, Yehin Liang, Ahmed Almayahi, Umar Mahari, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, Brendan Powers, and Daniel Smith. You guys are all freaking amazing thank you so much and without further ado this is the managing madrid podcast with myself kian sobani and eduardo alvarez let's go nice article in the managing madrid uh blog uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there and worth reading about that man there Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast, where we are recording this just before the Champions League games start, and there is a feeling of emptiness because for the first time in like 10 years, Real Madrid is not involved at this stage, and joining me to feel empty is our own Eduardo Alvarez. Eduardo, how are you holding up? Um, I'm trying to. I'm really depressed. Nothing to do this evening or tomorrow evening, uh, other than watch the matches anyway, but... 
nothing to root for actually do you is there anything to root for like is there a do you have a spot in your heart for anyone remaining that you're like i that would be nice to see them win or something i, I try to avoid rooting against <laughs> but, yeah um it's it's a very easy route right um you you could just pick whoever plays against barcelona or or something like that but it's 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 too negative um I'd, I'd rather watch the games without really just neutral. In the world. No emotional yeah. attachment. Just enjoy the football. I, I, I really enjoy football anyway. So The problem it's, with choosing the team against Barcelona is that you're bound to be disappointed. It's not good. It's, it's yeah. it, you're bound to be disappointed. I know like they haven't yeah. been great in Europe in the past few years, but you kind of like the script almost writes itself and you're just going to left be, be left disappointed. So you might as well just be attached. I, I did that last, last weekend with Atletico and yes, I ended up disappointed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, they didn't give me any con. They usually don't play well in the camp. No. And, and that almost that Diego Costa red card was like, of course, of course that would happen. Um, I was reading your article. Um, your column. Thank this- you. <laughs> No, I'm not the only one who reads your articles, Eduardo. They do very well on the site. Um, Thank you very much. Your Sunday article this week was about how the club needs to respond to Barcelona's domestic dominance. And it's interesting because you you went over some numbers that we all knew, and none of us are really surprised. But sometimes when you actually look at the numbers, it, it almost catches you off guard even though you already knew them. I think the one that stood out to me was the fact that you wrote in the last 11 seasons that Solgrana will have cut Real Madrid's lead in the tournament from 31 trophies versus 18 to 33 versus 26. That that stood out to me in a way like he's right. Like that it it all of a sudden has accumulated in the past 11 to 12 years. Not only in the the league the league discrepancy, the titles from 31 to 18 to 33 to 26, and also just the head-to-head matchup, which when I was a kid growing up, I was like, I don't think Barcelona will ever catch that. Exactly. You better than anyone know, know this because you, you go way back before me. Um, and so you you even saw probably a bigger discrepancy than I did growing up. In, and now yes. it's like all of a sudden it's it's almost head-to-head. Yes, yes. And, and it's... It, it feels like we're dilapidating what the previous generations of Madridistas built with uh, so much effort. And it, it is embarrassing. I, I mean, if you see that gap cut down to less than half, and uh, it's not only that, it's that it, it's, it is also the fact that Barcelona have built, uh, maybe the word franchise is not the right one, but I think it conveys the concept very well. Um, they, they, it is a winning franchise now. It, it didn't used to be. The fact is that it didn't used to be. Uh, they had highs and lows, and they were never as solid or consistent as they've been in the last decade. And a decade of winning makes things... Um, it changes a club. If you win for a, for a solid 10 years, um, the way you go about... Signing players, um, building your your the next generation of, of uh, youth teams, uh, investing on whatever has to be done to to keep winning, and even the institutional side of things that I also mentioned in the article that the way you you behave with other clubs and with uh, La Liga and in international competitions changes, 
and that's what's happened with Barcelona, and that's what Real. That's why Real Madrid's club management need to take a hard look at what they've done because I read some of the comments to the article just saying that mm-hmm. um, Champions League is all, the only thing that matters for Real Madrid. That that is so wrong. <laughs> that is just so wrong. We we compete in every single competition. We compete. We we never give up. We we no title is too small. And obviously La Liga is not not as small at all. And being um eviscerated like we've been in the last 10 years by Barcelona, it is a, a question of a, a point of embarrassment. That's that's why I, I think uh, we need to think through what we've done in the last uh, few years and, and change a bunch of things. This can go on like this. The, the one narrative that people do like to throw out is that the Champions League, only the Champions League matters, which obviously isn't true. What might be true is that the Champions League is more important. I think you could argue that. Um, although it's funny that Barcelona fans will say La Liga is more important, and so it's just basically whatever trophy you're winning is the most important, apparently. But of I, course. but I will say like they're all important. There's never been a situation where Real Madrid didn't want to win the league. This it's a, it's a silly excuse. The other excuse, which to me is an excuse, but at the same time, it's an easy cop-out, is that, you know, what can you do against Lionel Messi? His consistency is remarkable. <clears throat> and it's no. not like Real Madrid hasn't had unbelievable players. Like, we had the, the luxury of the best player in club history in the same era as Messi. And, and one of the things that people will say about this whole thing is that Real Madrid just don't have the hunger anymore. You win enough... Um, and you, you just need to kind of a new generation to come up that's more hungry to replace them. The problem with that argument, Eduardo, is that you can go back. Luka Modric has won La Liga trophy. Where's the hunger? Marcelo has been here since 2006 for La Liga trophies. One of them or two of them he wasn't that necessarily involved in. Um, same with Sergio Ramos, who's been around for a long time. So I can't, I can't pinpoint it to what it is. I don't know, maybe you can, or maybe it's an unanswerable question. Why can't we just see consistency in league in, or week in, week out every season? One thing that you mentioned in your article is that there is a common trait on, in the seasons that Real Madrid did win or challenge, and one was squad depth, um, and the other one was... Uh, lack of injuries. Lack of injuries. To, to key players. Yeah. And in fact, I made a mistake in the article that I, I realized later because um, the, the Ancelotti uh, season, when they did challenge for the title, um, they had a horrid sequence of injuries and that probably derailed the, the, the title uh, because they were playing like gods until January. Yeah. And then Modric picked up an injury, then um bale was also injured and and he was in fantastic shape that changed the season so again uh, further to my point um well, that solidifies things, your point about depth because that was the year it, yes, we had ramos fact, play as a defensive midfielder exactly Atletico. yes yeah. yes we, the, the, he tried all those things yes um but my going to your two uh to your two points on well uh there there's um you were saying that uh, we all, we've also we've always tried to challenge for the title, and that's obvious. And that you can't probably compete against Lionel Messi. And I think 
and 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 how you how can you keep the the winning um, ambition alive in the dressing room? I mean, if Barcelona have done that, why couldn't us? Because they won, they're gonna win eight of the last eleven, and you don't see um, Busquets saying that they're fed up with winning, yeah. or that he wants to take uh, a year off, or he wants to play at a smaller pace. So that's probably something that we haven't been able to keep. It has to do with our impatience with coaches, I, I, I guess. I mean, even though Barcelona haven't been a model of uh, trust in their coaches, but it's actually their coaches leaving rather than them firing them. So Guardiola left, Luis Enrique left. Mm. Um, then Valverde has been rumored to, to be keen on leaving as well. And, and it's obviously a, a quite uh, intense uh, bench to be coaching from. But we haven't been able to keep a, a coach for as long as we would have need to so that he instills a winning mentality. And I think Zidane's um, decision to leave when he walked out after such a disappointing domestic season is probably uh, one the biggest sign that we weren't doing things uh, properly from the point of view of investing in the squad, rejuvenating the squad, getting the right mix of players, and and giving a winning coach the tr the, the calm that the club management was behind him no matter what, and that he could take he could make the decisions required for this team to be to be successful. And that's why he left. So uh, that's why I, I finished the article uh, kind of with, in, a, in a high tone because he's back. And if he's back, it seems it, it should it's that should mean that club management has decided to um, kind of uh, backtrack on a few decisions or limits that they had imposed on Zidane and that he will be making decisions. And when Zidane was on top of his game uh, as a coach and had the team, the squad that he wanted, we challenged for his, his first season. He took over in January and we ended up only one point behind Barcelona. Yeah. And it in was the second one, we won La Liga. Gap at yeah. first. I yeah. Think. yeah. We yeah. came, we came back from 10 points down to one and then we won La Liga. And it was the third season that was an anomaly because we let Morata and, and James go, um, that's when we started to to um, to dismount the the team, the squad, and 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 now every summer we've lost more than we've added to the squad. That's why we are where we are now. You you finished your article by saying "Long live Zinedine Zidane," and I did a fist pump. I was very I was very <laughs> motivated by that line. Uh, it's interesting that Zidane himself has been on record to say that La Liga is the most important. Um, so this is something. Uh, sorry to interrupt, no, no, but this ahead. is something that that. Um, do you remember that Guardiola said that the best teams in Europe not 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 long ago? Yeah, he were, didn't list Real Madrid. Exactly, he didn't list Real Madrid because he was only listing teams that had won domestic competitions, and obviously Guardiola would say that because his performance had been has been terrible with outstanding squads in the Champions League. 
is underachieved by, by a long mile. But the fact is that what makes sense is that you would only be able to challenge for the Champions League if you have a very consistent squad, deep squad, that can obviously challenge for, for the league you're playing and has, and has enough depth to go and, and play the Champions League. But if you, ha if you don't have a solid deep squad, it is very difficult to win La Liga or any league. And, and that's the criteria he was using, obviously, to defend his own point and to, to provoke Real Madrid, because Real Madrid has been a great team in the last few years. But the fact is that they haven't been as consistent as other teams. So and uh, yeah, so no, no, ahead. please go ahead, finish. And uh, you can say Manchester City have they been the best in Europe? No, by any stretch of the imagination, but they have done well in England. And uh, to me, the last two seasons of Real Madrid in in the domestic competitions in La Liga and the Copa del Rey have been just embarrassing. And and we've we run into a combination of players that are very competitive for for. Specific type type of tournaments, and but they're not consistent. And and uh, would you rather take uh, the winning side of uh, uh, th that defeated Juventus in the final and played fantastic football? Would you take that side for 38 matches or actual actually the Juventus that they defeated in the final? I would probably take Juventus because I don't know what Marcel if Marcelo is gonna last for a full season healthy, or Carvajal, for that matter. Or Hold Modric. on, I, I'm not sure if I understood the question correctly. The two choices um, were what? For a 38-match 30, season, yeah. would you take Juventus, or the, the Juventus of, of Cardiff, or the Real Madrid of Cardiff? And Real Madrid defeated Juventus comfortably. Yeah. But over a long season, that's, that, side, that side I would not take over Juventus. But they, they did win the league that year. Uh, Yes, yes, but but still, uh, it's not. Uh, there's too many. There's too many ifs in that side. Uh, that, that's probably I should have chosen Kiev. Obviously, but <laughs> Kiev that but would be an easier choice, I think. Kiev was was an easier choice. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but but yeah, the fact that we have too many players that are not physically as solid as, and uh, we have scars replacement and and that's those things that haven't been planned during the season and we have gone from bad to worse since since that since that summer of of the cardiff final and now if you look at the squad it's just uh, a bunch of young we're betting on a bunch of youngsters and of and on karim benzema to become cristiano ronaldo and that's it's just not going to happen so the question of, of depth and just discussion about depth is interesting to me because 16 and 17, obviously the, the one of the best traits of that team and the most famous traits was that, as you mentioned in your article as well, was that you could roll out two separate lineups and, and they would just win like virtually every time they played. Mind you, you can also mention the late comebacks, but you know, that's part of football and I, think, I don't think the team should be discredited for those late wins. You know, it's part of it. Uh, it showed a good mentality to me, so I don't I don't like bringing that up and saying you know Real Madrid got lucky to win the league or whatever. I think that was part of the yeah. run was that yeah. was that trait, and it's part of Madridismo anyway. Yeah. Um, but also then there's a the question of when you have that kind of team, 
at some point by the end of the season, those players who are on the B team, quote unquote, are going to be like, hey, I'm actually better than this, so I'm just going to go go now and go somewhere else. And but when when people ask us questions on this podcast, and I wrote about this last week, it was is you know when they say, so what's the plan here? Because you have you have Odegaard, Rodrigo, you have you want to you want to sign Hazard, you have Isco, you have Asensio, all these people for like two two three positions. You have Vinicius Junior, you have Lucas Vasquez in the squad still. And I'm and to me, I'm like, isn't that just kind of if Real Madrid win the league with all those players and they're all playing, at, you know, there's like a B team and A team, and then they get pissed off. Isn't that kind of a price worth paying? And because that's basically what happened in sixteen seventeen is that you had a bunch of players yes. in the B team, and by the end they were upset, but we had trophies to show for it. So isn't that kind of worth the price of just getting players upset and then they go graduate? Then you fill the depth again. I I I understand it's not an easy problem to have and it's a headache for the board and you're bound to make the wrong decisions of who to keep and who not to keep eventually, but. That's kind of what you need at this point. I mean, that's Come Manchester that's, City that's is basically what they are. Yeah, that's a no-brainer to me. That's a no-brainer to me. I, I'd rather having Messi on the other team. I'd yeah. rather have two players with let's grade them from one to ten. I, I would I would rather have two two eights that one t- one nine because you need that depth mm. and you need that competitiveness. If if uh, if whoever is uh, is is starting has no competitive, uh, no competitive alternative off the bench, uh, that's that's just not going to work. And and uh, you need you need two players per position, and uh, in some cases even three. And I agree with you. All the, all the discussions are uh, focused on redundant profiles of players, when we in fact lack. Uh, other positions, like uh, depth in other positions that are key in every match. I mean, we we don't have one scorer, let alone let alone two that we would need two or three. And and and, and don't talk to me about Benzema, please. <laughs> he's, uh, he's having the best season of his life, and he still spent five matches without taking a shot and goal. So, so I mean, my my view on Benzema. Not a center forward. My view on Benzema is just that I think he's having a great year. I think by no means is this season his fault, and he's playing well. I just don't think that he's the guy who has to, who should be exactly leading yes your line. yes yeah. No 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 wrath on Benzema. No no yeah. no bias against him. It's simply he's not the. He's a great player if he has a scorer next to him. If he doesn't, he becomes a even a decent scorer, but not. A go-to guy. Um, I want. I I know we don't have that much time today. I have like a million things I want to talk to you about, but I'm just going to try to squeeze them in as best as I can. When we were talking about Zidane and, um, I guess giving them the continuity and patience and and assuming that he has the reins to build a squad the way he wants to, in his image, with whatever whatever vision he has in his mind. I'm not sure what that is exactly, but whatever it is, give him the chance to build it and be patient with it. I'm all for that. I guess my question has always been did we how much has really changed since his since he left and came back in terms of his freedom because we all were under the assumption that Florentino wanted to sign certain players and he said you know I want I don't want this player like you know famously Kepa because um, he trusted in Kaylor or um 
you know, not really wanting to use James in the squad, wanting to use players like Lucas Vazquez at times. How much of that freedom is different now? Well, I guess we'll see that in the summer. Yeah. Because I believe it has more to do with the ability to let some players go and hire new ones yeah. rather than specific lineups uh, in which he was always... Um, Letting him dictate things at least. Yes, yes. I, I think, I mean, all the rumors we hear is uh, is uh, French players or, or Hazard. Um, and that's probably influenced by the belief of most journalists that Zidane will try to sign whatever is closer to him and and players he has an amazing influence over, right? And, and any French player would love to play for Zidane. Um, um, yeah. But but that's where I think we will see the difference when when he starts making decisions on hiring hirings and firings because he couldn't do that before. I wanted to ask you kind of a different kind of question before we move to the questions from patrons, and this is. I, I wanted to ask you how you, you feel about the current coaches that are through the Real Madrid ranks right now because it seems like Raul is being promoted to Castilla and now we have Xabi Alonso promoted to a, the level I think that Raul was at previously. So Raul and Xabi Alonso have both won trophies in their levels. As a Madridista to the core, someone who you know grew up watching this, you've been a socio for how many years now? 20 plus? Uh, 24. 24 years. Yes. It's Is it kind of cool for you, like if you were told in, I don't know, 2000, early 2000s that Zidane is going to be the coach of the A-team, Raul will be the Castilla manager, and at that time we didn't have Xabi Alonso, obviously, but then Xabi Alonso would be involved, Guti would be, um, Guti kind of graduated, but I'm not sure the door is closed to him completely. So like, by the way, Fernando Redondo, I believe, has has already gotten his coaching badges and at some yes, point wants to start. True. How would you feel if you were told all that, I guess, I don't know, 15 years ago? Um, you know what? I wouldn't have been that surprised um, because specifically Raul and Xavi Alonso were always very tactically... Uh, very intelligent players. Yes, yes, very intelligent players. And they always enjoyed watching football for the sake of it and seeing how other teams played and that's always been a reason for them to I mean we, we always thought they could make it uh, as, a, as a coach but it's not not only because of that it's because um, we've seen so many former Real Madrid players become coaches for the youth teams mm-hmm. and eventually coaches for the for the for the first team mm. that we believe there is something on former players that they learn how to deal with within the club, to deal with the media, with the Madrid media, the international media, which are huge factors, to deal with the egos of the players. So somehow be, be a, a, an intelligent, tactical, astute uh, former Real Madrid player has has some some advantage over others to become Real Madrid coach, even if it's in the youth teams or or in the, and and uh, I would like to make a point here because I get this uh, quite quite often. It, it, it's not a question of being Spaniards; it's being former Real Madrid players. So, yeah. 
if Solari becomes the head coach, if Zidane becomes the head coach, uh, if Fernando Redondo ends up uh, being a, a coach for, for Real Madrid, we are as happy as if uh, of course. Xavi Alonso does. Yeah. It's because the idea is that you do the things you do things in a certain way and you learn them playing for this club for a number of years and then it doesn't really matter where you came from it's just uh, you're a former Real Madrid player period um, some creation questions and a lot of these actually it's it's interesting like we missed the post game podcast for Abar because we're so busy and uh, no one really cared either like people were asking where's the podcast but no one sent a question about Abar um it just these people just don't care. They just everything is about transfers. So, patron question, uh, pa- uh, patreon.com slash managermajud is where you go to pledge. First patron question is from Leon Stavernakis. He was well, not really a question, but he gives us his proposed squad for next season. And yes. uh, I'll just read it. It's a four three three uh, back back line, and I'll, I'll just read the two players he has because he has two players for every position. So left back Marcelo Regulon. Ramos and Ramos and uh, Militao, and then Varan yep. and Militao. So three for those two positions. Danny Carvajal and Odriozola right back. Courtois and Lunin in nets. Um, defensive midfielder Fede and Marcos Llorente. So no Casemiro. Then you have Pogba, Isco, and Luka Modric for the two central midfielder positions. And then you yep. have Hazard, Vinicius, Bale, and Asensio on the flanks. And then Benzema and Jovic up front. So he's gotten rid of Ceballos, Mariano, Raul de Tomas, Cruz, Casemiro, Keylor Navas, and Teo Hernandez. Any comments? Yes. Um, we're missing, uh, I'm not sure if one or two scholars, mm-hmm. even if Jovic is, is there. But I, I mean, I need to see more of them to grant him a starting position. And if Benzema is starting, I, I'm, I'm not sure we're getting anywhere. The, and, uh, the rumors yeah. are that uh, Jovic doesn't want to go to Barcelona now because he doesn't want to be the backup to Luis Suarez, which is, I assume would if that's his actual rule, then he doesn't want to be a backup anywhere, not just at Barcelona. When you're young, you're really stupid, right? Because <laughs> what's wrong with being the backup for Luis Suarez? I mean, is the same thing as, I don't know, we, we've seen that... What's wrong with a couple of years learning from the best of the trade? I can understand that. But anyway, Jovic won't want to to come to Madrid to be the understudy of Karim Benzema, and and I understand that. I Uh, suppose the problem is if you're signing the understudy to Benzema, you're already in trouble, I think. Yes. Whereas you want the the person (laughs) to to actually play every game. Yes. Yes. Uh, Other things about this lineup is uh, we don't really know what's going to happen with Bale. And the other in in the pre in the press conference uh, before the Eibar ma- match, uh, Zidane was asked about Isco and Marcelo, and he answered very emphatically that he really wanted them on the team next season, and he enjoyed the way they played, blah blah blah. And when he was asked about Bale, he went completely cold and yeah. just said that he he's still in the club and that um, he's. Um, a Real Madrid player until the end of the season and then we'll see what happens um, there's there's rumors that uh, Bale uh, had this 
this uh, or, or gave these statements after the final of the Champions League in, in Kiev because he thought that Zidane hated him, mm. which surprised me because Zidane has started Bale pretty much every time he's been healthy. And he was only bringing them, bringing him back into the team in uh, because he knows he, he gets injured all the time. And every time, Zidane said so many times that whenever the BBC, the full BBC was healthy, they would start. And he delivered on that every time. That I'm surprised that Bale felt uh, Zidane didn't, didn't rate him. But the fact is that after I saw Zidane answer in that way, uh, maybe, maybe Gareth Bale has a point. And uh, so I don't see Bale on the team next season because that's one of... This is probably one of the things that Zidane was asking of uh, Florentino Perez. Just freedom to say, Gareth Bale is no longer needed here, we need someone else. I think that is probably one of the things that he wants freedom on, for sure. But we we also have to remember, to your point, Zidane was also the one that pushed to sign Gareth Bale when he was a sporting director. Um, Yes, correct. You know, as the famous quote, Bale was born to play for Real Madrid. And I think it, I think it's, I don't think it's something personal. I think it's just a matter of really that Zidane just felt, you know, he went through that huge injury slump and Isco was playing so well in that 16-17 run. Yep. And then you just, you know, things kind of will just, things change. Like it's just, things change, I think, you know, and that's all it is. You know, Bale is, is not the most consistent player. I do wonder, and I don't know how you feel about this. I'm not sure how much an indication it is that Z- of the lineups we see now on, upon Zidane's return is an indication of what we'll see next season. Like People were all like, oh, Isco and Marcelo, they're all back under Zidane. I think it's more of him just wanting to see what they have left in the tank before he makes a decision. I know like he will deny it publicly that this is not an addition, but I, I don't think it's his lineups now. I don't know for an indication of anything in the summertime. I think it's just his way they're of not. seeing I yeah. agree with you. They're not. He's just auditioning players and seeing if if he can, if Marcelo and Isco can give him something uh, to save them from from uh, from their fate, which would be for most Madridistas that they're they're already they've given enough. Um, I wanted to make a point on on uh, another thing about this lineup, and we're 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 spending a lot of time with this question, but it was yeah. it's a good lineup. Is the defensive midfield position? Mm-hmm. It is fantastic that we have two uh, two kids raised uh, by the youth teams, and they're so good, both of them. Yeah, I know you have a a, a bromance with <laughs> with Marcos Llorente. Very much so, and. Yeah. And uh, Freddy Valverde is, uh, is another fantastic player. They, they should play a lot next season. I hope yeah. Zidane sees that. Fede has been, been really good any time he's played. Though, I know Hazard is in the lineup, and he's probably in everybody's lineup. It is interesting, like, I mean, and he was brilliant yesterday. I don't know if you saw him. Um, but yeah. uh, even though we kind of knew it's like public flirting and almost public knowledge that these two entities, which are Hazard and Real Madrid, are are very much, they seem likely to be matched this, this summer. Sari yeah. said yesterday, like that was just very telling. Like He wasn't very political about it. He said, it's a disaster when a player like Eden decides to, to change teams. It's very difficult to find another player at the same level because in the world there are only two or three players at the same level. We'll have to try something different, not find another hazard. So it was, it was a very telling comment that like it seems like it's almost a done done thing. Um. Then I can't see Isco on uh, on the team uh, next year. I can't. 
very interesting. We'll see, I guess. Um, one last yeah. thing because you have to run. Casper Moscala is asking how Pogba would fit in the team. Um, the midfield needs an overhaul, and and but Modric is so different from Pogba in that Modric is an incisive passer, but also box to box midfielder. He does so much defensively. He helps the wing backs. Um, and how would Pogba fit into that a team like this? You know what I. I, I struggle to see him wearing a white shirt. It's just not the type of player that is too much of a diva. <laughs> and uh, has that I know stopped he's a Real Madrid kid before, and... though. What's that? Has that stopped Real Madrid before from signing players like that? We, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of divas, and I can only think of Cristiano Ronaldo. And it was never an easy relation between him and the and the Bernabeu. Never, never. No. So. Um, it's just too much it, it's too much marketing too much uh, too much stuff going on outside of the pitch and probably the same with Neymar and those those two uh, I struggle to see him on a, on a, on a Real Madrid shirt it, it is tough for me but, but I'm probably the this is probably the, the perspective of, uh, of, a, of an aging socio <laughs> speaking but I think uh, I think the fifteen-year-old uh, French guy the, with the with the crazy haircut disagrees with you. Ah, yeah, totally, yeah. he does, and 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 half of the Bernabeu probably <laughs> as well. Uh, Eduardo, I know we gotta let you go, so I want to thank you for your time. Well, I'll, I'll take the last one because oh. I saw another one okay. uh, on the Patreon questions. Okay, please, that which I, one? You tell me. Let me see. I need to connect. One second. This is all because I thought you had to go. That's what I would have kept. No, going. no, you, I do, I do, <laughs> I do, I do. Um, oh, there, there's another question about the goalkeepers, mm-hmm. and that is that is an extremely complex one because um, up to up to three months ago, I would have chosen Courtois with my eyes closed. Mm. And now, I'm not so sure. I mean, he's on every single gossip column in Madrid. Uh, he's not focused on football at all, and it doesn't feel like is uh, uh, not is not the Pogba, the Pogba type, of course. But this, I mean, we don't want players on on the cover of gossip magazines. We don't. That's, that's just not us. So. Get, that's like when you look at the depth chart the goalkeeper is not one that sticks out to you like that we need to sign someone but I don't think it's crazy that Real Madrid actually do sign a goalkeeper and, and sell one or two of the ones we have I would not be surprised because I mean Kaylor has given us a lot but he's always been a, a very funky ride with him mm. and we thought that Courtois would, would add that level of calm that he's not going to make crazy mistakes and we saw that it's not even crazy mistake it makes, makes foolish ones and uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they sign someone else and let either Courtois or, or Kaylor go but Courtois or Kaylor are starting goalkeepers when, when they're okay so again we go back to the problem that we need to have positions covered and if that generates noise within the dressing room that's uh, that's the coach's problem and 
if the coach can deal with that, he doesn't deserve to be Real Madrid's coach. And, and we know Zidane can deal with that, but did for a while. Well, Courtois was always one of those goalkeepers, especially like in his last year at Chelsea, where it's like, he's not, um, he has a high ceiling and, and, and kind of a, a low floor, whereas like he can make yeah. crazy mistakes, but also make crazy saves. And so I, to <clears> me, <throat> kind of like the season was kind of what I expected of him. I didn't think he was going to be amazing. I didn't think he was going to be, I th- you know, it's obviously not on him what happened this season, but I'm also not 100% convinced by him either. That's why I think that Zidane, it's not crazy that he's he would look at that position and be like, mm, you know, he will. Yeah, I think he will. My uh, problem is is that they had uh, the the memories of Kurta with, with Atletico, and he was a much better keeper right. than yeah, yeah. he was with Chelsea or or now. Yeah, that was his peak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Eduardo. Unless okay. you, unless you want to stay. No, 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 go. now I have to go. Okay, uh, yeah. thanks for doing this. Always look forward to your Sunday columns and uh, we'll chat very soon. Thanks, Eduardo. Thank you very much, Ken. A la Madrid. This was fun, a la Madrid. <laughs>